podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The script writers have been working overtime this week. Tonali and Donnarumma returning to Milan. United even more regretting not signing Harry Kane as they get Bayern Munich, not Arsenal. And Arsenal get Sevilla, not Bayern Munich or Barcelona. Um, and of course, Manchester City get a bye to the knockout round. Well, the Champions League is back and so are we. Back into the regular flow. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory. The evenings are getting darker. September is upon us. All we can say is football is back. Football is back. And more importantly, it seems like you had an epic holiday. So uh, tell the listeners, how was your holiday? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, People who are viewing uh, will be lucky enough to see my amazing bronze tan. And I'm wearing the white (laughs) shirt so I can show it off a little bit more. Um, Yeah, did a little bit of a trip traveling back up Italy from Puglia. A few little stops. Um, would recommend Perugia, um, a city mm-hmm. that I think is massively underrated. Absolutely beautiful. Went there, Vieste in Puglia, and we finished in Livorno, and it's just full of absolute nut jobs, but a really interesting <laughs> city. Uh, so if you're ever stuck in Tuscany looking for a day out, I would recommend Livorno. So yeah, did a few different stops, but now definitely ready to, one, sleep um, and get and two, get back into the flow with the podcast. We're going to be back with our Monday mm. shows as of this week. Um, and we're going to be back with our regular shows. No more breaks. Yeah. Noses to the grindstone. Here we go. Back with Champions League action. Um, Adam, what are we going to be talking about in this week's show? Well, we'll be starting off with the big announcements that happened early this evening, which is the Champions League draws. So there's been some very tasty uh, kind of lineups, it has to be said. There's always a group of death, and yeah, we weren't spoiled there. But we'll also, Rory, talk about Serie A action as well as the Premier League. We'll talk potentially about two clubs that we want to kind of get a bit of beef off our chest as well. And then obviously go into the weekend preview. And then hopefully a bit of mastermind, Rory. You'll be sending some questions my way this time. So uh, I'll be gunning to get more than four this time round. Let's hope so. I have done my homework. You'll be happy to hear. So there are questions ready for you. I'm pretty excited about that. And of course, we'll be talking about transfer business. So listeners, we're going to go for a very, very quick break. And we're going to come back with the Champions League. It is back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back after that very quick break. 
We are ready to talk about the Champions League group stages that were done today in Switzerland. Uh, the last ever group stage draw there's going to be. Yeah. This is the last one. Next year, remember, guys, it all gets ruined. Um, so <laughs> hold on to this Thank you, while you can. I don't know. I don't know about you, Adam, but I always maybe it's because Arsenal are actually in it this time. But I was super excited about this draw today. Could you? Does it get you excited? The group draw? Uh, yeah, I think there's always that sense of uh, excited, like anticipation, shall we say? Mm-hmm. I think this year as well, especially because I think we've had a few curveballs. You know, the likes of Lazio coming back into it, Napoli potentially even stronger than before. But also looking at it, and you've got teams like Braga, Union Berlin. You know. These teams shouldn't be underrated because they've had fantastic campaigns in their respective leagues. So, yeah, I think uh, for once it's quite exciting. I know there's uh, that kind of we look at Man City and how easy their draw is. We'll go into it in a minute. But, um, yeah, are you excited about any particular group yourself? Um, I think I'm very excited about Newcastle's group. We're going to get onto that. (laughs) Newcastle and Milan's group I'm particularly excited about. I think that is definitely the group Mm. that most people are going to be spending most of their time looking at. I'm obviously excited about Arsenal's group because I think as much as it looks like a Europa League group, um, (laughs) I think there's some interesting ties there. Um, And also, I think Group C, Napoli, Real Madrid, Braga, and as you said, Union Berlin, there's some really interesting games there. Like Braga, the scenes of them uh, qualifying Mm. were amazing. Um, I think the first time they've ever done it in their history. Um, So there's a lot of groups to look forward to there. And obviously, we're just going to look at the Italian and English interests. Um, And in some cases, they overlap, uh, but not all. But starting with Group A, I'm repping the Bayern Munich shirt in celebration of the fact that we didn't get them in the group stage. Um, Group A, we have Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Now, Adam, your first reaction to this group, Manchester United and Bayern should be the top two there, right? I think they're the considerations to be top two in that group, but I think we shouldn't underestimate the likes of Galatasaray. Appreciate it's the first time that they've been back at the foray of the Champions League, um, but it's fair to say they've uh, invested quite well. They've got some big names in their squad, and I appreciate one of them, Zaniolo, has decided to join Aston Villa more recently. Um, but, you know, I think they shouldn't be underestimated, especially when teams go to Turkey, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Copenhagen as well. um, They are respectively hardworking team. I think they won't concede too much potentially. And um, I'll be keeping an eye on the Polish goalkeeper, Grabara, who uh, he's a young player that came out of Liverpool's academy, uh, had to go elsewhere to get his football and um, he's making a name for himself. So again, that won't be very easy for teams to go there, but it is anticipated at least Bayern should dominate this group, I would anticipate. And we've got homecoming for Harry Kane this soon as well. It was immediate, right? Mm. It was bound to be immediate that he'd come back. Um, I think it is quite funny that it's against the club that he was always... It was always going to be Bayern Munich or Manchester United yeah. he went to, wasn't it, really? If you know what I mean? So I think it's quite funny how that's worked out. But other narrative as well with Galatasaray, we've got Will Zaha yes. at Galatasaray yeah. who might come back to haunt Manchester United. But I do think... I do. I know I'm trying to come at this with a not too much of an anti-United head. I do think like Bayern will finish top. But I think Manchester United need to concentrate to get through that group because mm. we've seen them in the past not get through Champions League groups that they should have and they've gone into the Europa League. So I think they'll be more than aware of the fact that the, the away games in both Copenhagen and Galatasaray are going to be massive. Um, 
but they should have enough quality to get through there. Do you think Harry Kane is going to enact revenge? Because I can see him. He's at least going to get one, isn't he? Over the I two ties, so. he's at least going to get one. I think he will. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see the dynamic of Bayern Munich. I mean, we're talking on this particular day, on the eve of the basically transfer window closing. There's still a lot of speculation around certain signings. So Kravenbach, for example, is potentially leaving for Liverpool, as it's been speculated so far. And then potentially Paulinho, who had a fantastic game against Arsenal, Rory, we won't have to face him, maybe unless it's the Champions League, because he Couldn't apparently they have taken could him last week. Bayern. Exactly. Couldn't right. they have taken him last week? What are you hanging around <laughs> for? Get him out of there. But yeah. yeah, absolute nightmare, that one. Absolute nightmare. But I think, yeah, you're right, Gravenberch, it didn't quite no. work out for him at Bayern, so I think it's good for him to get that move. But I think we've seen Harry Kane has started life at Bayern Munich oh, oh. very well. Mm. Uh, he's got three goals already, I think, and a couple of assists. Yes. Um, he looked great in Lederhosen. Um, he really enjoyed the white sausage <laughs> yeah, that he was yeah. eating. I think he's loving it out there. So I think we're going to see a revitalized, happy mm. Harry Kane coming That's to Old Trafford. That could be a really interesting prospect. So I think that group, I think we both agree that Bayern and Manchester United should get through should. that one. But a tricky game away at Galatasaray. Mm. The next one with English interest, and I promise not to talk about it too much, is Group B as we have Sevilla, uh, Arsenal, PSV, and Lons. Now, mm-hmm. without sounding too cocky, I think Arsenal have got off very lightly yes, here with this group. Um, and when I was kind of having a dig at City for fixing the groups, I was like, I might be in a bit of a glass house here. <laughs> um, what was your reaction to this group? What's your initial reaction to this group? Yeah, on paper, it looks like it could be quite an easy one for Arsenal, but I think you shouldn't underestimate any of these sides. So Sevilla mm-hmm. have got a tendency to do quite well at this kind of, uh, should I say, this kind of international stage or European stage, should I say, um, when it comes to football. Uh, PSV have qualified quite well. I mean, they did trounce Rangers only the other night. Um, They look quite, (laughs) I did see a little bit of the first leg, it has to be said, where it was ended in two all. I thought they were very counter-attacking side. So that might be something to be uh, aware of. And then in Lons, Lons are a very interesting side. So they narrowly probably, they were the better side last season in Ligue 1 and probably unlucky purely because they haven't got maybe the riches of PSG. Mm. Um, but they have got a handful of decent players. Um, again, there's a Polish connection for me. So Przemysław uh, Frankowski, who plays on the wing, he was apparently the most attacking right wing back in Ligue 1. So potentially oh, wow. it'll be interesting to see if he makes his name in this competition as well. But um, I think it's fair to say with the qualities that Arsenal have, they should have enough. Maybe there'll be a few itchy bum times come away legs potentially. I'm thinking Sevilla might be a hard one. They proved it against Man United last season, didn't they? Um, but yeah. I think you should be comfortable, Rory. What about you? Yeah, I think, look, looking at it, we have to top the group. Anything but topping the group is going to be labelled a disaster, and rightfully so. Um, I do think Sevilla away is going to be a tough one. They've done us in the in the Europa League a few times, yeah. but we all know that's where Sevilla want to be. They want to be mm. in the Europa League. So they can just finish third. That's fine. Um, PSV, we had in the Europa League last year and struggled away. I want to say we lost away. Um, and then Lons, as you said, it's been a real breeding ground for young, talented players. So I think it's a... With the, the the players here 
in that squad are going to get a lot of exposure yeah. through this tournament. I think we're going to, like, if you think about the midfield of Decore at Palace, yeah. he came from Lons. Uh, Fafana was there for a very long mm-hmm. time until he went to Saudi. They've always had a good level of young, exciting players. So I think they're a team that could be um, a little bit of a surprise to a few people. And funnily enough, Arsenal's first ever Champions League game was against Lons. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way in the early, late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s. Um, yeah, so there we go. Nice little nice. throwback. Um, next, I'm going to oh, say, okay, so for that group, I'm going to say Arsenal top and PSV second. What do you reckon? Ooh, I'm going to go Arsenal and Sevilla, I think. Arsenal and Sevilla, nice. Mm. I will take that all day. We have to finish top. I don't want Bayern in the knockout rounds. Next, Group C, <laughs> um, we have Italian interest. And this is yeah. a, a really interesting group, I think. Mm. We have Napoli, Real Madrid, Braga, and Union Berlin. Now, for Union Berlin, it's amazing. First yeah. ever time in the Champions League, and you get to visit the Bernabeu. And not only that, but they're going to be adding Benucci to their ranks. <laughs> so Benucci is going to be back in Naples to boil some piss. I think it just adds a little bit more to a tie that you wouldn't really think about. But what is your first reaction to this group? I think it's just Braga and Union Berlin both play decent football. Like They're not they, yeah. just like yeah. cloggers. They are going to try and play football. They're going to add some entertainment to this group. I think the only frustrating bit about Union Berlin is that they can't play in their spiritual home, unfortunately, for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been told that they have to play their home games in the Olympiastad, which is the Hertha Berlin stadium, huge. which is huge. And yeah. it's not going to be filled, unfortunately. Probably won't create the same atmosphere as what they would be used to at Union's grounds. So there's a bit of disappointment there. The other player we should mention from Union Berlin, Gosens as well. Obviously, he's transferred from Inter. So that'll be a fantastic signing for Union going into this season. I think he will pull a lot of trees up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be expected that Real Madrid and Napoli cruise this group. I think it's going to be a very interesting game when the two do take on each other in their respective home games as well. So, yeah, with the qualities that Napoli have been able to keep this season, then like this Farah, Osimhen and Zielinski, they'll be the key men when it comes to it. But uh, yeah, I'm curious also if uh, Napoli will add anyone before the end of the window as well, because I think they've got something lined up. It feels like there's still someone that they've got to sign. But um, for you, Rory, do you expect that to be the first two in this group? Yeah, I think it's between Napoli and Real Madrid to get through this one. I think the tie between them, you're right to say, is going to be thrilling. Mm. I think it's going to be like a proper goal fest, both games. Um, I think that's going to be like, they're going to be the first games that will make it feel like the Champions League's back. You know what I mean? You'll be like, oh, I get to watch Napoli, Real Madrid tonight, like running home from work a little bit quicker. (laughs) Really excited about that tie. Um, yeah, I think I would expect those two to make it through. With Napoli, it's interesting because obviously they thought they had Vega in the yeah, bag, right? Exactly. They thought that was done. And then he's gone to Saudi instead. A bit of a waste of a move for me, mm. I think. But I I think that means that Napoli are still looking for that player. They're still looking yeah. to get that replacement. Because um, I really do think they thought they had that in the bag. Mm. Um, for Real Madrid, of course, English interest, Jude Bellingham, absolutely strolling into the Bernabeu. <laughs> taking Zidane's shirt number, he's got the number five, and gets the player of the month in La Liga in his first month. So a player that I love how well he's doing there and how well he's doing in general. I think this is only going to be the start for him. And this Champions League campaign, we could really see him hit different levels. Because mm. in the past, he's been obviously with Dortmund. They're a team that 
after 30 odd years, I finally learned to expect nothing from. And I think <laughs> seeing him in a team like that midfield, Camavinga, Bellingham, and Chuameni, yeah. already that's there for 15 years now. If you know what I mean? Mm. Like, where are they going to go? They're exactly. going to stay there. Um, and I think we'll see Bellingham hit even bigger heights here. So I think that's going to be really exciting for Real Madrid fans um, and probably means they'll win it again, right? Um, I think they're probably amongst the favourites. Um, so, Group C, we're saying Napoli-Real Madrid, right? I think so, and for me in that order as well, because I actually oh, wow. have a question mark over Real Madrid up top. If uh, Vinicius mm-hmm. Junior does get injured, they are having to rely on the 34-year-old, I think it is now, Yosselu, from, who used to previously grace Stoke City so um, and Newcastle, of course. So, uh, yeah, I, I know he's been that. okay at Espanyol, but not the same, I don't feel, for this level. So... Uh, it's yeah. mad how Spanish teams always have this, don't they? You'll have like they go through phases, Barcelona don't they? and just some like League One <laughs> player just stuck in the team because I've just not thought about like when Barcelona had Braithwaite or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, good. Um, next, Group D with mm. Italian interest. Um, I was messaging Tommy today. He said that both Inter and Arsenal have got off quite lightly here. Um, it is Group D, Benfica, Inter, Salzburg, and Kieran Tierney's Real Sociedad. <laughs> um, Inter, of course, beat Benfica in the quarterfinals yeah. last year, or the last 16. Quarterfinals, wasn't quarterfinals, it? It was Porto. Yeah. Um, beat them in the quarterfinals, so a bit of history there. Yeah. Benfica lost a few players this summer. Salzburg, always dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Real Sociedad, first time they've been in the Champions League for a while, it feels yes, like. Yeah. Um, they, again, have added a bit of quality, not just Kieran Tierney, yeah, but they've added, uh, bolstered their ranks quite a bit. I think they, they're looking at really making a run at this. Um, what are your first thoughts from Group D? I think on reflection, you kind of look at Benfica of last season and, yeah, like you say, rightly, there's been a lot of players that have since moved on, so... The obvious one is Ramos, who's gone to PSG. Um, I think that kind of focal point means that they are having to rely on their youth this time. Um, I'm not too sure if it will be the same kind of strong Benfica that we've been used to in the last two seasons. Um, So I'm totally expecting actually Inter to do well. Having said that, Inter don't normally do well at group stages. They seem to always throw these kind of occasions. Um, But that said, I think... If you look at these signings like Pavard in the recent week, I think that solidifies them a lot more. Um, I did mention it about two weeks ago on our last pods that they needed someone of a kind of experienced calibre. And I think Pavard actually mm-hmm. offers that. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Inter do manage to get what rumours seem to be speculating anyway is uh, Tangay Ndombele from Spurs. If they manage to bring him in, that's obviously a backup midfielder. Well, that's all I can see it really being. Um, but whether there's something else, there's something else brewing. I feel there's someone else that's probably linked uh, with move, maybe under the radar. I think there's something going on there. So because Tarimi is also another one that's been linked with AC Milan. There's been historically some links with Inter. I think there's a deal to be done there somehow. But uh, reflecting quickly on the other sides, Real Sociedad really been doing spectacular for the last few seasons. It has to be said in La Liga. Uh, great to see them. I think they'll be a bit short this time round. Salzburg, I'm a bit unknown. I have to be honest. I don't know who they have in their ranks these days, um, but you can never underestimate them. They always seem to put themselves out for these kind of uh, stages. So, yeah, I'm totally expecting Inter. Uh, I- I'm going to go for it. I'll say Salzburg into second spot. 
I like that a lot. I like that. Of course, they had to sell Okafor this year yes. to Milan. But what we know with the RB brand is that there will be someone to replace yeah. him who will probably be better. That's what yes. they do. So I think, um, yeah, lots of young players to look out for there and keep an eye on. But I think Inter should be making it through. I'm going to be boring and say Inter Benfica, though. Okay. I'm going to have to be boring and just say Inter Benfica. In that order, I'm going to say Inter actually finally top a group. Uh, so I backed Arsenal and Inter yeah. to top group. That is that is very ambitious, very <laughs> ambitious. Um, nice. Group E, we have some Italian interest. Now, this is, um, I think this is the chaos group. I think this is the group where we're going to see the most fan violence. We're going <laughs> to see some insane banners. We're going to see a yeah. lot of beef because we've got three clubs that are all slightly right of center and then Celtic, who definitely aren't. Uh, we have Feyenoord, Atletico, Lazio and Celtic. <laughs> Um, I think people will ignore this group, but this group I think is going to be the closest. I think this is going to be the group that on the final day, anyone could qualify. Okay. I think this is so close. Um, I know that Celtic have disappointed in the past in Europe and Brendan Rodgers hasn't had a great start at Celtic, all things considered. But I do think, there are four teams there that all their home grounds are going to be absolutely massive. The atmospheres are going to be so huge mm. that I think on the final day, there could be some real drama here. What are your first thoughts on this group? I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I think Celtic are going to be the whipping boys. Um, they, oh, really? have, they have been disappointed. I think there's a feeling, and I don't know if you feel the same, Rory, but they haven't really invested the funds that they've received True. very well. I, I feel if they were going to go for it, they should have reinvested that into some place. But we know that's the philosophy of Celtic. Unfortunately, that is where they try and buy cheap and nurture these players and then hopefully get a big fee for these players. I think on this time round, I think maybe it's a bit too short to expect Brennan Rodgers to turn it around. That said, he will play a certain philosophy, right? So I expect it to be respectable, but potentially... I think they will still get a hammering away from home. Um, but for me, between the other three, I think it's very open. That said, Lazio have disappointed me from the beginning of this season. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, Rory. Um, we do need to address it. We do it, need it's, to it uh, unless it's the curse of the pod again, striking. Um, <laughs> Sarri hasn't had a great start. Atletico, on the other hand, very strong start. I mean, they they seem to be everyone's kind of outsiders to the title so far so it'll be interesting to see because they're playing a different style of football as well it's not the typical you know Diego Simeone style of football so that'll be very interesting to see Feyenoord obviously they've um, really been interesting in the last few seasons I'll be excited to see how they perform on the greater stage in the Champions League maybe a tournament too soon perhaps it could be argued mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I, I think it's between Atletico and Lazio for the top two spots. I would probably go Atletico to top this group, though. What about you? Yeah, no, I like that. I think Simeone is an interesting one because he obviously gets labelled with that type of football. But then when he has a squad that's capable of playing other types of football, he will do it. Yeah. Like, I think when he's won La Liga in the past, he's won it in a uber defensively shithouse way. And he's also won it in a kind of free-flowing mm. football way. So I think he's very much, he's, mo he's much more pragmatic, I think, than people give him credit for. Like, he's not so dogmatic with with his thoughts. So I think it will be great to see an Atletico team trying to play football again. That'll be nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say Atletico go through and Feyenoord. I'm going to say, I feel like Lazio, mm -hmm. even though I back them to win, yeah. Yeah, I feel like their European pedigree is awful. <laughs> um, and after the Conference League exit last year, 
I think this is a huge jump. Um, and yeah, as I said, three difficult away ties. So yeah, I'm going to say Atletico Feyenoord in that order, mm-hmm. but I'm going to predict final day drama Oof. in this group. Um, finally, Group F, F for finally. It's the one that everybody's <laughs> wanted to talk about. The second this draw came, it was welcome back to the big time, yeah. Newcastle, because you've been <laughs> shafted up to the gallbladder here. Um, group F is Paris Saint-Germain, Dortmund, Milan, and Newcastle. Now, that is definitely the group of death. I think there's no other, like, there's yeah, no one that comes no, close to that. Yeah. Now, I think you have to look at this group objectively, right? Because I think you look at the three names above Newcastle and you're like, okay, well, they're going to trounce Newcastle, right? Newcastle, mm. who are Newcastle, right? As I said previously, Dortmund, I finally learned to expect absolutely nothing from because they will just disappoint you. So I think Dortmund could arguably finish bottom of this group. I think Newcastle are better than Milan and PSG. I think they're better teams. I think Newcastle with a game plan are definitely better than PSG on their day. I think PSG, we've seen that they... um, implode in huge ways they just get big names it never really clicks i feel i know they've got luis enrique now right but yes, i, I yeah. feel like it's still things it's never a happy camp there it's never really fully clicked and i think what eddie howe is going to do with that newcastle side they know exactly what they're doing they know their system they know how to play and don't forget they've just basically stolen milan's best player <laughs> I think you need to look beyond the name of Newcastle and what, you know, the relegations and stuff and look at the squad Newcastle now. I genuinely think they've got a a chance of topping this group. What do you think? I'm not as, uh, shall we say, confident as you are, I feel. Uh, I feel they definitely have a chance to qualify out of the group. That's what I will give them a chance. I think the only thing for me is that I think when you're talking about the calibre of players that they're going to be facing on a more regular basis, don't forget, this is going to be first time they've really been tested where it's going to be league, mm-hmm. Champions League, league, Champions League. And I, I feel with those defenders, they're going to be potentially really tested. Um, you know, we're not just talking about physically, but we're talking about tactically here. Um, so whilst um, I agree with you on the sentiments around PSG, I think they will get stronger as they go along. And there's still rumours about Kula Moani, for example, potentially being signed tomorrow from Frankfurt. If they manage to get that over the line, then I think you're looking at a very dynamic front three, potentially. When you, which, you know, we, I'm saying this without Mbappe. Like, I, you know, you've got Mbappe, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got Ramos, you've got, obviously, Dembele. Kula Moani as well added to that mix. I think that's probably a bit better in terms of balance for the team basically and then you look at cross so yeah milan for me are the favorites for being top of this group i think based on the experience of last season i think kioli has been very clever or should we say the scouting at milan have been very clever assembling a very good squad with the money that they've got for sandra tonali i think they're going to be a lot more stronger than people give them credit i think it'll be just a question of will injuries to certain players you know cause them to disrupt their rhythm obviously we've seen Manyan potentially or obviously straight away potentially being out for at least a game already um we'll wait and see on that respect but I give Newcastle a chance I I just genuinely don't know between say PSG and Newcastle who's going to finish into the second and third spot at this stage Mm -hmm. purely because PSG have been very poor in the beginning of league on season so yeah, I'm with you with Dortmund being bottom. I'm going to go with Milan top 
um, at a push. I'm going to go with PSG to be second, um, but only just, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. It's, I think I think Newcastle are going to surprise people. Honestly, I think Newcastle are going to surprise people. Um, I wish them every bit of bad luck in the world, but I really <laughs> do think I really do think they're going to surprise people. I think um, with PSG, kind of like Dortmund, I just expect nothing now. I just expect I expect no. a spectacular way of failing. Uh, with Milan, we have seen the the signings they brought in have started very well. Reinders has been fantastic since he's yeah. come in. Pulisic, I'm having to eat a big slice yeah. of humble pie at the minute. Is he's got two goals in two games, mm-hmm. um, so their signings are definitely coming off. So maybe we will see them take that step up um, and really push. But that is going to be a really interesting group. Really, yes. really interesting. Yeah. Every game is going to be worth watching. There, every single one you're going to want to be tuned into. So hopefully, TNT Sports, as it is now, are still doing the goal show. We yet to find out. <laughs> hopefully, they're still doing that. Um, and then finally, I don't even really want to. Group G, Man City, Leipzig, Kvenas Vesda and Young Boys. Man City are going to go through, don't really care about the rest. And <laughs> Group H is the only one with no interest from Italy or England, but we've got this far, we might as well tell you. Um, Barcelona, Porto, Shakhtar Donetsk and Royal Antwerp. Anything to say about those groups? Probably end up in that same order, I think. Yeah, quite possibly quite you know they do sound about right they yeah, do sound about right um so guys we are going to take a very quick very quick break i promise um and we're going to come back to talk about some transfer business and Serie A and premier league after this and welcome back it is time for more transfer nonsense. It's, it's nearly there, guys. We can all nearly relax as the door slams shut, apart from in Saudi Arabia, so still a little bit of tense <laughs> tension there, I imagine. But slam shut in Europe as of today, uh, as you guys are listening slash watching. And we're going to play a bit of a game, uh, a little bit of a game called Good Deal, Bad Deal. So, Adam, I'm going to draw... Um, just off screen, I have a little box here. Um, I'm going to draw <laughs> a random transfer from my box, and you need to tell me if it's good deal or bad deal. Okay? Do you get it? Okay. Let's okay, go let's for do it. it. Let's so go first for up it. is, oh, we've got Genduzi Marseille to Lazio. Do we think this is a good deal <laughs> or a bad deal? Oh, I'm going to say um, bad deal. I, I just, Ooh. I'm not a fan of Genduzzi's, it has to be said. Uh, as much as he's probably had a bit more maturity um, from his time in Marseille, it's, Much it's, needed fair to say, it's fair to say he's had a traumatic experience this year as well with his house being robbed. Um, I think his family's been exposed to some robbers as well. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I'm not quite getting the kind of vibes around this deal. What he adds, he's not Milinkovic Savage quality. Um, and I just feel that he's a type of player that's going to likely just piss off people and get sent off, which will probably endure him to the Lazio faithful, right? I feel that's probably more likely to be achieved from this deal. But that said, how do you feel he will suits the Lazio midfield or do you think it will disrupt it a bit? I, th- I think his career of Marseille and Lazio fits in perfectly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, two of the most chaotic clubs. Yeah. I think, look, when he was at Arsenal, I was really excited about him because he's a player who 
I've watched a lot. Mm. I have watched a lot of him and his ability to turn on the ball, take the ball on the turn and get progressive passes, his ability to run through midfield, his energy, his work rate. He is a very, very good player. Um, I think what lets him down is his his personality, his discipline, his how, like his temperament, basically. And I think what we could see is... Now, Sadi's man management is pretty good. I think Sadi could probably try and get him to calm down. I think mm. if you can get him to calm down and get him to focus and build that midfield around him, I think you really could get an incredible player there because there was a few performances for Arsenal and there are still Arsenal fans, although there's a lot of idiot Arsenal fans, there's still some Arsenal fans that wish that Granduzzi had really worked out at mm. Arsenal because there were certain games where he really did look like he, kind of, he could take us to the next level. So I think it could... I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to oh. say it's a good deal. I think it's a clever bit of business from Sadi. It just all depends on if he can get him focused on the pitch. Mm. Um, but I think having Marseille and Lazio both on your CV is fantastic. <laughs> uh, absolutely fantastic. And very Matteo Genduzzi. Um So next up, good deal or bad deal, let's go for... Uh, oh, it's one that's caught the headlines this week. Cole Palmer, Manchester City to Chelsea... 40 million plus 5 million add-ons. He looked all right in the Community Shield and in the um, in the European Super Cup. He's a player that Man City have been excited about. Yeah. Um, but if they're willing to sell him to a, in quotes, direct rival, do they think he's that good? What do you think of this one? I think it's a bad deal for Cole Palmer because I mm. don't know where he sees in terms of how he's going to play for the club. And I don't know what actual game time he's going to achieve there because I think he would have learned a hell of a lot more by just being on the bench with Pep and developing his game. Um, but that said, obviously a good deal for Man City, I feel, because obviously from an FFP point of view, he's considered as a free asset. They've mm-hmm. basically managed to accumulate this money through this deal and therefore they've put it into the Mateus Nunes deal as well. So subsequently they've funded the deal through this um, transfer. But... Um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I like him as a player. I think he's got something about him. It's just a shame that potentially the circumstances of the deal, and it obviously this makes it £1 billion spent by Todd Bowley now for Chelsea, which is absolutely insane. When you think how much money they've actually spent and the quality of players, I actually feel they haven't actually gone forward as much as they probably anticipated they would be. Because when you think about the sums, surely they could have brought in Osserman. Surely they could have got Faraskelia for the amount that they're talking about. And um, and don't get me wrong, young players are good, but you're having to give a lot of trust in terms of that, almost back to that Arsene Wenger philosophy. You expect them, they're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to forgive that. And unfortunately, that's what's going to have to happen in this kind of squad. Also, when you look at it from a cycle perspective, they're all very similar ages, so they're all going to grow with this squad. So you're going to have to give them time. But... I don't think Chelsea's a forgiving place. They don't tend to give the players on the pitch a lot of time. And this is the problem. So for me, it's a bit of a disappointing one. I think if if I was called Palmer, I'd actually look at that and go, do I get more game time potentially? But actually, is it to the benefit of my career? I don't think so. So yeah, I think it's a bad deal for him personally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think any young player going to Chelsea now... Well, over the last couple of years, I just don't understand it um, because there's no clear pathway there to the to the first team. There's no clear plan. Mm. I think they've got like 
about 10 right wingers now. It feels like the squad isn't only what they've, we've talked about it before and I'm almost sick of talking about it, but what they've done is just randomly pick exciting young Mm. players. It's not like, okay, we need an exciting young left back, an exciting young centre back, a centre, and like building it and being like, it's just exciting young player, grab him quick, don't think about it. And this, this mad supermarket sweep and it's just, Cole Palmer's just another one. Like, don't forget that Chelsea were chasing Smith Rowe this time mm-hmm. last week and were offering Mudrick in exchange. Wow. The guy mm-hmm. they just signed 100, for 100 million, they've given him six months and been like, oh, you know what? This guy's done. So we'll just swap him for another one. Like, there's nothing about it that shows coherent yeah. plan. There's nothing about it that, as an agent, if your player's being linked there and you've got the best intentions at heart, you're not just after the huge signing on mm-hmm. bonus. There's no part of you that goes, yeah, this is a good place to go. So I think for Cole Palmer, it's really annoying because he is an exciting young player. He's a player that could play for England for years. Um, And what you don't want to see happen is him just waste away at this club now and be on loan at Southampton in two years' time, which is Mm, entirely possible because there is no clear plan at Chelsea in any way, shape or form. I also think there's a huge problem here with FFP in the fact that it is incentivizing selling homegrown players. Yes, exactly. Um, That's a massive problem Mm. because, of course, clubs are just going to go, well, why bother giving them the chance then? We can just offset everything we're going to do by just selling. I just think there's a huge unintentional but disadvantage there from FFP, another one you can add Mm. on the list. Um, so I think there's a, there's an issue there, but I think this is a bad deal for for Cole Palmer. But I don't accept. I don't blame Man City for accepting it at all. Mm. He's yeah. had less than 100 senior minutes, I think, for Man City, yeah, and someone's coming with 45 million. Fine, bang, go. Yeah, take exactly. it. Like, of course you would. So I think bad deal for Cole. Good deal for City. Mm. Of course, a bad deal for Chelsea. <laughs> of course, it's about they only do bad deals. Um, there was a great piece in the Independent, I want to say. No, The Guardian by Barney Roney today, uh, which was all about Chelsea and Todd Bowley. Try and find it. It was just really fascinating about how Todd Bowley is approaching the Premier League with a draft from America kind of approach yeah, and how it just doesn't work or won't work. <laughs> uh, really interesting piece. I think it made a lot of sense. Um, next up in the good deal, bad deal, um, picking one at random from the box... Oh, it's Lukaku, Chelsea <laughs> to Roma. We're not, we're not going far away from no. West London. Lukaku, Chelsea to Roma. He was tracked. His flight was tracked by twenty four thousand people in Rome as they watched him land in the capital. Um, the signing video was, of course, predictably beautiful course with the Colosseum in the background. Uh, Romelu Lukaku claiming another home, which is nice. Um, the interesting thing here is him and Mourinho. I forgot that they now kind of worked together three times. They have, yeah. um, so he coached him at Chelsea, coached him at Manchester United, and now, of course, at Roma. Um, Adam, good deal, bad deal. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know, actually know anymore with this one because... Mourinho is there for the last year of his contract, right? Um, mm-hmm. Roma needed a striker. The circumstances of, of Lukaku kind of backstabbing into talking to Juventus and then being told by Juventus faithful they don't want him, which is understandable considering they gave him a lot of uh, racist abuse the pre- previous season. And then he's basically scrambling around to find a club, which just happens to be Mourinho's going to give him the faith. And 
do you know what? It's probably a great deal for Roma because, you know, this is just throw of the dice. You can't lose with this deal because they've got no obligation to sign him. They yeah. take his wages on. They basically just have him for the season. And when you look at the context of what you saw at the second half of the season for Inter, if he can just turn it on a little bit more, concentrate on his like game. from now. Yeah, from now. Yeah. They basically yeah. need him straight away. Um, he could be a really good asset. Um, but the problem is, I just I, I've fallen out of love with Lukaku because yeah. I just feel like his mind is elsewhere. He's not on the game itself, and I, I don't know if he's doing a deceptive kind of emotional plea to Roma when actually by the end of it, he's just going to fob them off and go to MLS or somewhere else by the end of it. So I, I, I feel for Roma fans here potentially because he could score you twenty goals this season but you could be waving goodbye by the end of the season to him. Um, so, yeah, it could be a good signing, but I, I, you know what? I don't even care. I don't really care about Lukaku anymore. He's pissed me off so much with the yeah. way he dealt with Inter. I just, I, I have no love for the guy, unfortunately. No, I and I think you're definitely not the only one. <laughs> I think all <laughs> of us are just a bit sick of his shit at this yeah, point. Exactly. I think... Look, I think there's a potential there for it to be a masterstroke. I think be, yeah. Mourinho has gathered this ragtag bunch of misfits <laughs> with like Awar and um, and you know Dybala, and they've got these players that it hasn't really quite. They're not found home. Yeah. They're not settled. He's brought them all together, and I feel like there's a real potential for something to just click here. I'm excited about the Dybala Lukaku partnership that i think if yeah. they can get that clicking if they can get that going that could be an absolute game changer in Serie yeah it is all about getting lukaku focused on anything yeah. and like getting him to play in the first half of the season because what he did at inter was he realized that it wasn't going to work at chelsea because his form mm. had been awful and yeah. that inter weren't going to buy him because his form had been awful and then as of january february he turned it on and just started banging goals and you're like, oh, okay so you can do it so i think what we need here is Mourinho man management masterstroke, and but yeah. it's going to require patience, and Mourinho doesn't really have it. So I think it's either going to go one or two ways. It's going to be catastrophically spectacular, or it's just going to be incredible. Like yeah. I, I don't think it's it, there's no middle. So I think, well, in, it, as you said, for Roma, it's a great deal. Mm. You don't have any obligation to buy him. You get a potentially world class striker for pennies on the pound, like and. Yeah, there's just no downside, really. There's no downside for Roma. So I think it's a good deal for them. It's the best deal that Rom could get this yeah. year. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it was the only deal, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we will see how it goes. Cue him getting Capocannoniere now and firing <laughs> yeah. Roma to the Scudetto. And, like, you know, there'll be a statue of him outside the Coliseum. No, I don't know. We'll don't. see. Please but don't. I think this is one of the most in- intriguing, intriguing deals. Um, the last deal we're going to talk about, I think, before we do a little bit of what we expect to happen tomorrow, just because I'm aware of time, uh, let's draw one more. Let's stick to Italy. It is Pavard to Inter. Now, this. Mm. This one's been in in the in the pipeline for a while. He's made it blatantly obvious he only wanted Inter. Um, Bayern were kind of making him continue to play games. It all got very political and very <laughs> sour. But he's finally made his way to Milan. Mm. I think he had his um, he had his medical and he was announced today yeah. on Thursday. Um, this is exactly the player Inter needed, right? What do you think? Oh, it's mass massive. They were crying out for someone that is 
probably on the right side of um, age perspective, on the right side of experience. He's a player that is obviously internationally plays at a right back position, but you can see what Inzaghi has in his mindset, and that is to play him on the right hand side of a trio in that kind of back three. Um, by all accounts, they've been eyeing him up since they knew about Skriniar potentially entering the last year of his contract. So they've been obviously looking at this as a potential signing for a long time, uh, but they've managed to pull it out of the bag and get and done, I suppose, is the right word for it. Um, I think he'll slot in quite nicely, actually, for Inter. I think he provides that depth. He can play it right back as well where needed. So obviously, if there's cover issues for Damian and, for example, let's say Dumfries, then he's going to play in that right wing back role. But I, I think he's going to play as a back three, personally, with Acerbi and Bastoni. I think that's quite solid. I don't know about you, but I feel that's quite... That kind of starts completing that squad a bit more. Obviously, we haven't seen them much of Turam just yet, but... Lataro is kicking off quite well at the moment. That midfield looks quite appetizing. You could maybe argue that in summer he's not the same as Onana, but he's still a suitable kind of replacement. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually a bit more positive than I was probably two weeks ago when I was talking about Inter and their Scudetto credentials. So I um, don't know about you, but I think that's quite a nice little signing. I think it's an absolute level raiser. Yeah. It honestly raises the whole level of that squad. It's not only the experience that he has, but playing that right that right sided role, his passing ability. We've seen he loves scoring a banger, right? <laughs> yes. And I think it just his composure, his defensive ability, don't forget mm. he is a very capable defender. I think it just raises the level of that inter team Massively. instantly. I think it is such clever business and like we always said Marotta's got something up his sleeve he's always going to pull something <laughs> out and he's just done it with no money I don't understand how he keeps <laughs> doing it but he just keeps pulling off these miracles and getting into to improve whilst working on a shoestring budget I think we didn't really or I didn't really think of Inter towards the Scudetto I was like oh they'll be top four but I don't yeah. think they'll really challenge I think as it's looking they're going to be the closest challengers to Napoli really um and I think this Pavard deal really, really does mm. raise their level a lot. I think this yeah. is an incredible, incredible Massive. deal. Having someone who was so intent to join Inter as well. It was never anyone else. It was, no, I want to go to Inter. And that, like, you forget how much that matters to a sign-in, no matter who, who the club is. When a player really wants to play for that club, it just makes that turnover, mm. that easing, just so much quicker. And I think it's just a massive part of it as well. Um, but before we move on, I just I spotted one more transfer. In yeah, the I was going to say, I was going to maybe put, put it to you. I've, I've, got, I've got a deal, perhaps. Let's put it to you. Okay. So let, let me pretend I'm looking up the box. And it's Ansu Fati oh, from Barca to snap. Brighton. Snap. Ansu Fati to Brighton. Well, um, this is like football manager in 2032. Um, Ansu Fati <laughs> has signed for Brighton. Yeah. Um, just the idea of him on one wing and Matoma on the other wing Beautiful, is enough it? to scare any defence in the Premier League. Stick Evan Ferguson as the focus point in the middle there. Or uh, João Pedro, who's had a pretty yeah. quiet but impressive start to life at Brighton as well. And you've got a really threatening attack there. I think it's a really interesting deal. Because I'm, I'm intrigued as to why Barcelona are doing it. I don't know this what their it. motivation is. Because it's a, and I hate this phrase, it's disgusting, a dry loan. 
um, which means that there's no no potential, there's no obligation, no agreed yeah. future fee. It's just an old-fashioned loan. Have him for a year, we'll take him back. Now, obviously, he's had his injury issues in the past, yeah. Ansu Fati, and it's kind of hindered him a little bit in his progress. And maybe, why do you think they're doing it? I don't understand. So I think it is financial. It's financially driven because they've struggled to get Gundogan to register as a team player, right? So financially, what they've had to do is get him off the books temporarily to show that they've got enough funds to carry on for this season. Now, obviously, the way they finished the league last season, that gives them a bit more of a breathing space because they'll be um, basically said they'll increase what potential revenues they could put back into the club spending spree. Um, but that said, they've obviously got a lot of high earners on their books. This includes Lewandowski. There's rumours that Lewandowski could still potentially make a move to Saudi Arabia because they are looking for that one signing. Remember, last few days, it's all been about Mo Salah. I think Lewandowski is the backup plan. That could be like a very last minute thing, but I think it's probably too late to kind of get that done. And I think Barca are quite set on keeping Lewandowski as it is. But I am a bit surprised like yourself because if you think about the context of Fatty was signed on to a new contract to restrict clubs from buying him on the cheap. They put a really large buyout clause, which was beyond the 400 million they set for Neymar at the time. I think it was something stupid like 1 billion, I believe is a buyout clause. So they had a high hopes for him, but for whatever reason, Xavi doesn't see him in his plans and he hasn't played much last season, really hasn't given him a chance. And Given that Dembele is off, he's gone to PSG, you would have thought there's an opportunity for him to play. But do you know what? It seems to ring out that João Felix is going to be signed by Barcelona, which is just mental when you think the context of you've got someone as talented as Fatty moving on to Brighton, who will do well, I think, under the Zerbi. And then you bring in João Felix, who got a red card in his first game in the Premier League, couldn't barely do much in the Chelsea squad, given there's a bit of context Chelsea were bit shit um but yeah mm. i didn't see much in shall felix i didn't see much about what he could bring and yeah it's just so weird it's so bizarre there's a lot of question marks about Xavi and his handling of the squad um yeah i think this is a winner for both fatty and potentially brighton i mean mm. especially going into europe that's a fantastic signing we were purring ourselves when kudos could have potentially signed for brighton but actually this is a potentially really good bit of business by Tony Bloom and Brighton again. Um, let's wait and see, Rory, but I'm really excited to see this kid in the Premier League. It's going to be insane, honestly. Yeah. There was a very, very brief period where he was linked to Arsenal and Sufati, and yeah. I was like, God damn, if we can get Ansu Fati, that's like an absolute game changer. <laughs> I think this is like an unbelievable signing for Brighton. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's and I think it takes them from a team that uh, already had an incredible start to the season to a team that could genuinely challenge for things because they've got an attack that very few teams will be able to deal with. That Mitoma Ansu Fati partnership that is going to thrive there is going to be absolutely terrifying. (laughs) So I think if you're a Brighton fan, it must just feel like a dream. Honestly, it Mm. must feel like a dream you do not want to wake up from. Um, I think it's an incredible deal, really exciting. And yeah, hopefully Ansu Fati can just turn up, enjoy himself, improve under um, Deserbi, bring that level uh, razor up to Brighton. And then for Barcelona, it's it's such a Barcelona thing to just get rid of a youth prospect in search of the new shiny thing. Yeah, like, of course. 
on no planet is Shrao Felix worth getting at the minute. Like, mm-hmm. is he worth risking your financial future or risking the the um, like the stagnation of another mm-hmm. player? Because he's shown nothing in two seasons now. Because he he wasn't doing well at Atletico before he went to Chelsea. Let's have it right. Yeah, like, he wasn't doing well before that. It's been a very long time since he's been like consistently hitting heights. So I think it's a really really strange move by Barcelona. But for Brighton. There's not a word strong enough to say how good a deal this is. <laughs> like it's, it's insane. insane. Um, so yeah, fantastic work, fantastic work from Brighton. Um, any other deals before we move on? Um, I think the only one that kind of I'm just having a look at my list. Uh, apart from that, uh, Nicholas Dominguez from Bologna to the Forest. That could be a very interesting one. I think he's had a, a very good season last mm-hmm. year. Um, the other one was Kalichi Ayanacho from Leicester to Palace. That could be. A good one for them potentially because just a striker they needed that. Yeah. Um, Donny van der Beek to potentially Genoa. That was one that I was like, it's not, it's not completed, but yeah, it's yeah. on the cusp of potentially being done. Um, but I was gonna I'll also put it to you: if there's one player that you think could be a good signing for someone that maybe is just still undecided, who would you go out and get right now? Um, I will put my suggestion right out there. Frank Kessie, he's sat there in Barcelona. Oof. Barcelona needs to raise some funds potentially. I think he would they make are a desperate to get rid of him. Fantastic yeah. signing. They are desperate to get rid of him. I wonder. I often wonder what Manchester United are doing <laughs> because there is <laughs> what Cucurella. They got two... Reguilón potentially. Well, well, oh god, oh god, it's <laughs> hilarious to watch. But we've got them this weekend, so I'm not saying anything. Um, I think that. Amrabat obviously is a player they should have just gone and got by now. But there are plenty of options around for Manchester United to go and get that midfield sorted. I think Kessier, even if you offer a loan that isn't an absolute insult, Barcelona are very likely to take it. I think there are players Mm -hmm. there that United could go and get to sort this problem out. They just don't seem to be doing it. It could be FFP, it could be the crap owners, it could be a million different things. I don't know. But Mm. it seems like there's a really, really... It's like almost intentional now not addressing this problem. <laughs> it's really strange. Um, but I would expect to see some mad shit from Manchester United mm. uh, tomorrow slash today as you're listening. Um, if it is Sergio Gregory on, then I will enjoy that massively. Um, but we're going to leave it there for yeah. now, I think. Um, also, sorry, nobody's after Calvin Phillips at all. Nobody no. wants to go for a loan after him. Clearly not. Just give him an option. Seems he still makes anyway, the England uh, squad, so who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like about, Harry Maguire, right? <laughs> He's just an England player now, I think. Yeah. Um, like Gareth Bale just plays for Wales. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we are actually going to leave that there now. Uh, we're going to take another very quick mm. break, and we're going to come back with our weekend previews of Serie A and the Premier League. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And we are back, back, back again. This time, we are here to preview the weekend's action. A full programme of fixtures coming up. Adam, do you want to take us through action in Italy this weekend? Yes. So, listener, if you are listening to us on a Friday, you'll be uh, delighted to know that you have got this evening... The uh, heavyweights of Sassuolo versus Hellas Verona. No, don't worry. It's not them. It's the other game you have to look out for. It is Roma taking on Milan. So that's a 7.45pm kickoff time. Make sure you're tuned in for that one. Then on Saturday, we kick off with Bologna taking on Calgary. 
Udinese taking on Frosinone, Atalanta taking on Monza, and the big game on Saturday night, and that is Napoli taking on Lazio. And then we move on to Sunday. We've got Inter Milan taking on Fiorentina, Torino taking on Genoa, Empoli at home to Juventus, and Lecce at home to Salernitana. And other than that, we then go into International Weekend from there onwards. So, Rory, let's go through the Premier League fixtures. International break already. Time no. flies when you're having fun, people. Um, in the Premier League again today, if you're listening on Friday, we have Luton hosting their first home game of the season as they host West Ham. Um, that's the 9 o'clock kickoff. Then on Saturday, we have another six-pointer for Everton as they go away to Sheffield United. Absolutely massive for them, that. Um, we have in the 3 o'clock kickoff, so Man City taking on Fulham, Chelsea taking on Nottingham Forest, Burnley will be hosting Tottenham, Brentford taking on Bournemouth, and the late kickoff on the Saturday is a massive one, as will he make his debut? Maybe we'll see Ansu Fati mm. as Brighton host Newcastle. Proper spicy one, that. Um, and then on Sunday, we have Crystal Palace taking on Wolves, Liverpool taking on Aston Villa, and then the big one, the game I hate the most this season, <laughs> Arsenal taking on Manchester United. Uh, I hate it. I've been dreading it since Tuesday. Um, good. So those are the Premier <laughs> League fixtures this weekend. Um, that's all your action. Adam, mm. more importantly, are you ready for this week's mastermind? Do you know what? I'm actually starting to brick it because I, I've just realised I've not done any research. I've not looked at the books. I don't know what I'm expecting. So bring you it on. Have... Bring it on. This is my game face pretending I'm not nervous. Bring it on. Come on. <laughs> We are ready. I'm going to set a timer on my phone for one minute, okay? Once I find the right button. Nope, that's the calendar. Uh, There we go. Right, good. One minute. Now, your two topics are, rather, maybe predictably, we'll see, either Italian players in England or English players in Italy. Ooh, I like them both. Um, Which one do I feel more confident with? I'll go with English players in Italy. I think that's a wise choice. So, one minute. Your time starts now. How many English players are currently in Serie A? Go six. Oh, no, it's five. Next, who is the only English player to win Serie A and the Premier League? Ray Wilkins? No. Which three other players have won Serie A? Give me three players that have won Serie A, English players. Tomori. Good. Um... Oh, God. Um, Luther Blissett? No. Okay, next one. Which English player has scored the most Serie A goals? David Platt. No, that is time, Adam. It was Tammy Abraham. Of course, with Roma. So the questions we had... 
How many English players are currently in Serie A? It's five. Tammy Abraham, Illing Jr., Loftus-Cheek, Tomori, and Smalling. Um, mm. Who's the only English player to win Serie A and the Premier League? You're going to kick yourself, Adam. It was Ashley Young. Mm. Um, the other three players who have won Serie A, English players, Jimmy Greaves, Jerry Hitchens, and Fikayo Tomori, as you said. And which English player has scored the most Serie A goals? It was, of course, Tammy Abraham. That was a little bit more difficult, Adam. It was a little bit yeah, more difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was thinking a bit more like 80s-esque, wasn't I? And I'll tell you what, one minute goes fucking quickly. That's all I can say. It, it goes really quickly. It's a lot less time than you think. Um, but, guys, there we go. I think that's it for the show this week. Thank you for joining us. Um, as always, please do follow us on Twitter, at ItalianAngloPod, on Instagram, at AngloItalianPod, on TikTok, at Anglo-Italian pod. Good. Uh, You can find us on YouTube. (laughs) You can hit the like and subscribe button here. And as always, tell a friend. Give us a rating on your chosen iPod app. And leave a little comment if you like, telling us how great we are. Only positive stuff. It does help in discoverability, I think the word is. So it would be really great for you to do that for us. Um, Adam, anything to say before I send the, the listeners off? with a quote of the week. Make sure you join us on Monday night when we get to review all of the weekend's actions again on a live show. And we hopefully will be joined by guests. So uh, yes, just make sure you're tuned in onto our socials and we'll see you there on Monday. Nice. And the quote this week is a little tip of the hat to something in the pipeline for a future episode. Mm. And it comes from the great... R9, El Phenomeno. When I was at Milan, we signed... Oh, it comes from Ancelotti. Damn it. It comes from Ancelotti about El Phenomeno. When I was at Milan, we signed Ronaldo. He weighed 100 kilos, and before the first game, I told him that he couldn't play like that, that he had to lose weight. He said, what do you want me to do on the pitch? Score or run? If it's to run, put me on the bench. If it's to score goals, put me in the team. I played with him, and he didn't run, but he scored two goals. L phenomenal. We will see you next week, guys. Thanks for joining us. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.